It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. For example, uh, I played camping last night. Just nine holes, but I played camping last night. I lost just one ball, and I had four parts. Very weird. Very weird. I am not that good. So I don't know what's going on. Is there a glitch in the matrix? You tell me. But we got stuff to talk about. Let's go ahead. We will get started with Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Yeah, Cubs will handle them there. Pirates, 8 to nothing in Pittsburgh. Drew Smiley gets the uh, W. Five innings, four Ks. Five walks, though. I don't like that. Nitpicking. you got to find something here. It was 8 nothing. Talkman, uh, overdrive, three for five, three RBIs, and uh, two runs for him. Dansby Swanson looking dapper as well. Two for five with an RBI. Game two tonight. Stroman versus Oviedo. Oviedo struck out eight Cubs in his last start, but he gave up eight hits, four runs, in just a four and a third. Stroman wasn't markedly better. He gave up two runs over six innings, struck out five. Still better. White Sox, they can't get there. Five to two, they lose to the Rangers. Banks got that last second start on the mound, goes three and two thirds, three runs, three Ks. Luis Robert Jr., two for five with a homer. Vaughn also homer. Robert now with 18 homers. That's tied for seventh in Major League Baseball. Tough battle tonight on the mound. Dylan Cease takes on Nathan Ovaldi. Cease struck out 10 Dodgers in five and a third in his last outing. But the Sox lost in extras. Painful. He hasn't picked up a decision since May 28th. It's been a month since this guy's got a decision? That's tough. That's real tough. So they're due for a C start. Meanwhile, Ivaldi has gotten a W in seven of his last nine starts. Last Thursday's loss was his first he'd taken since April the 12th. He looked unbeatable in June. He gave up just four earned runs in five games and really had three shutouts there, too. I think his ERA was like sub one. From April 29th to the beginning of June, he had a stretch of seven games where he allowed runs in just two of them. He's been more mortal lately. He's given up seven runs on his last two starts. I'm just telling you, the potential is there. There goes my phone thumping to the ground. And I hate to say it, but... I mean... That's like it. We have anything else 
of local importance going on that I can sit here and tell you. I mean, those tickets went on sale for the scrimmage today. The alumni scrimmage, uh, game and scrimmage. I can't imagine they're not sold out yet. Maybe they're not. They're on PurdueSports.com. But yeah, I can't imagine those things weren't sold out. It was like, what was it, 15 bucks to sit in the lower bowl? And that's it? I don't know. Go check PurdueSports.com. Double check. I probably should have. I mean, I didn't think to do that before we came down here. But that's where those uh, tickets lovers, PurdueSports.com. I think we, we mentioned something about it uh, yesterday. Because it was kind of like a last-second thing almost. I was a little bit surprised they didn't give you a, a bit more of a heads up, but we put the posting out there on all the uh, you know all all the station websites to try to keep you in the loop. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring it up right now, but it's uh, it seems like they're having a problem with the website. But there you go. That is today's need to know news. Well. Uh, no thanks to uh, Stevenson. We don't hit that little parlay, that little hits parlay yesterday. I did, after Sensel got put in there, I did take him on a homer myself at 7-1, to so that was nice. But we got to put together a winner tonight, so let's do it, all right? I know there's a lot of different places that you could, you know, go and play. Some folks like to go do Dinger Tuesday. I get it. Friends of DraftKings have got plenty of great promos, too, with the no sweat today. Another 20% boost on uh, that Atlanta-Philadelphia run in the first inning. I mean, go check it all out. Golf, you're big into golf again. A plus 300 odd surge on the Travelers. I mean, they got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. But we're looking to take advantage of a couple of spots here today. Uh, I'm going to start with, I got two guys that I have flagged today. Uh, Miami and Toronto. Solaire, let's go over one and a half. Hits, runs, RBIs. We have a lot of success with this one. Solaire sitting at uh, minus 125 on DraftKings for this. Uh, at home versus lefties, he is hitting 280. He is 296 in his last 30 days against lefties as well. Um, and uh, against that Blue Jays pitcher who I just can never pronounce his name correctly. Um, three, six lifetime, two of those three hits are home runs. If you want to take him in on a dinger Tuesday, hey, good luck. He's at plus 310. That ain't too bad. I'm taking him on the hits, runs, and RBIs. We got to get two out of them. Next, we're going to go to this Cleveland matchup. It's never wrong to fade Oakland. Am I right? Jose Ramirez over one and a half total bases. Minus 110. 19 doubles on the season, which is one away from being top 10 in the league. 
He's hitting 326 against righties and slugging 538. Uh, facing Medina as the uh, bulk reliever, he's given up eight homers to righties and allowing a batting average of him of 293. His homers per nine innings over uh, is over two, which is up there. Then they'll bring in the lefty uh, Waldachuk, but let me tell you, that dude's not much better. He's giving up 324 to righties. So we're going to go with Ramirez over one and a half total bases. And we're going to go with Solaire over one and a half hits, runs, and uh, RBIs. Those are my uh, those are my plays for today. That's what I'm going to toss out for you. Best of luck. If you want to parlay them, that's on you. But I tend to play these things separately. I can't believe this. Um, I can't believe the stat from yesterday with Kansas City. And I told my buddy sent me a thing here, and I was ready to just absolutely fade it. But Jordan Lyles is now zero and fifteen, Royals record in his starts. Oh, and 15 they lose. He's only covered the run line twice in those 15. That's amazing. But as soon as I started seeing them put up the graphic, that's usually the time where I'm like, nope, they know. They always know. And the Royals look like they had that one. How much were they up by in that game? They were up 4 nothing halfway through it. And then gave up six, uh, six unanswered runs, five in the seventh inning. And they lost that game. Bro, even when Lyles has a chance, he doesn't have a chance. 0 for 11 on the season. How many no decisions do you have? 1, 2, 3, 4, that's it. Four no decisions. And all those would have covered a run line, too. That's just so ridiculous. That's sick. Be sick to my stomach if I was that dude. I don't know how that happens. But that happens. Again, like I said, our friends at DraftKings got some boost for you. You can check that out. You know, you're using other books, you're using other books. Uh, I didn't come across a great like home run guy today. Solaire's not bad. Um, St. Louis has got a lefty they're going up against Gore today. And anytime St. Louis gets a lefty, that's usually um, a sign that you want to take a look at Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt because those dudes have just great, just great numbers against lefties. I don't know if they are against Gore this year. Gore is, oh, he's getting crushed by lefties. 364, my goodness. And Goldschmidt and Arenado have never faced him. But those two guys like just consistently put up good uh, lefty numbers. Was it uh, Goldschmidt is hitting 284 against lefties this year? 
And then Arenado is hitting, wow, just 250. I thought he was doing better than that. But four, play, uh, four homers and 56 plate appearances against lefties. Yeah. Those guys traditional, traditionally will match those lefties. I don't know if you can take, like, Savali's not great, but I can't take anybody. I can't take an Oakland hitter. I just can't do it. It just wasn't great. When I when I went and lined up everything, C's can be really good or really bad. I don't know if I wanted to mess with anything and guaranteed low rate tonight. I mean, like I like Schwarber, but he's going up against Spencer Strider, who's been pretty darn good. There's just not a there, there weren't a lot in the home run categories today. It just wasn't the day for me. I mean, straight up games. You, I mean, you, you had some areas where, like, you know, I love Detroit over Kansas City tonight. I like Miami. Miami at minus one twelve is probably my favorite bet for the night. I think you're doing good there. Um, is there anybody I, like I like the Cubs tonight? Minus one thirty is a little bit heavier than I like, but I'm okay with that. You know, Cleveland's way overpriced at minus 225. The Reds stay hot. I mean, you can bet them, but minus 175 is up there towards my limit. I think the Sox again. We said yesterday the Red Sox were was a good value. I think they're another good value tonight against Minnesota. I mean, Sox, I just, who is that team? I know the Rangers are darn good. But I know Cease can go out there and give up one, two runs and then strike out 12. And that bullpen is more incapable of coming in and holding things down or letting it all implode. I just can't. I can't. I can't touch it. Normally, I love the Rangers. Can't touch it. Put me down for Boston. Put me down for the Reds. Put me down for the Cubs. And uh, who else to say? Miami. We like Miami tonight. And Detroit. God, I made a big card there. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> We're going to try to find some more to talk about, including uh, could there be a team-up coming to the Chicago Bears with two of the hottest free agents available? Let's talk about that, if it makes sense, if it could work, and more. That's next. This is the Hammer Down Show. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com with Jared Jesselinus. That's me. Hey, how's it going? I hope Tuesday's treating you well. You can always chime in on the Hammer text line at 765-447-4080. That uh, number again to text, 765-447-4080. So, some comments from Dalvin Cook have raised this question here. Uh, Dalvin Cook had talked on the Adam Schefter podcast about possibly teaming up with DeAndre Hopkins, and it's like a, a little package deal for some teams. With the idea that you're going someplace where you feel like that you could hoist Lombardi, because after you've gotten all the money and you've gotten the stats... And you don't want the playoff success to show for it. You are 
looking to jump on that winner and solidify your legacy as one of the greats, right? Nobody wants to be a Marino. Nobody wants to have all of the personal success but not have the trophy to go with it. So, you need a couple of things here to make this happen. You need to have a team that can contend. You need to have that team have cap space, which usually does not co- it. it that's a correlation, but not in the way that you need it to. Usually the teams that are there to contend do not have a lot of cap space. And the teams that are not going to contend usually have the cap space. Unless you're somehow like the Chicago Blackhawks, where you're going to have all the draft picks and all the cap space in the world to do whatever over the next couple of years. It's a rarity. But... While that may not work out in Indianapolis with the cap space, it sure as heck could work for the Chicago Bears. There also needs to be that need, right? You need a running back. You need a wide receiver. And not a ton of contending teams in the NFL are still looking for a wide receiver And a running back. Are we right? I mean, Kansas City does not have that problem. The Bills do not have that problem. The Dolphins do not have that problem. Cincinnati does not have that problem. (laughs) Go over the NFC. Philadelphia, they're good. So where do you what do you look for? What what are we looking for here? Can the Bears make some sense? Well, do you think the Bears are a receiver and a running back away from winning a championship? They just had the first overall pick. I just don't know from that aspect. Now, this could be a couple of year deal for you if you're the Chicago Bears. Hey, listen. We build, we're going to be very good this year, you know, we'd be good this year, not quite ready to take the step maybe, but in year two with you guys, that's where we make the push. Maybe you can make that sell. If they're determined to be together, the things that the Bears do have working out for them, one, they have the cap space, over $32 million. They're reportedly not happy with Chase Claypool. They got themselves DJ Moore. But I'll tell you what, a one-two punch of Hopkins and Moore, and maybe if Claypool rounds it out on the third side, hey, that ain't bad, especially if you can motivate Claypool. That ain't bad. Then you got Cook. Coming into a room that has Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. That's not bad. Cook does not have to be an every down back. Which you would think at this stage of his career, 
makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, he's gone almost, what, 250 carries in each of his last four seasons? He came one shy in 2021. He only played 13 games. But you instantly get somebody that's gone over at least 1,100 yards over their last four years, which the Bears have not had outside of Justin Fields. Have a running back over the last couple of seasons that's gone over uh, 1,000 yards. He could also catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, Dalvin Cook could make sense for me. DeAndre Hopkins definitely could make sense for me. I think the two of them slot in there nicely. The problem is I don't think that makes them an automatic Super Bowl contender with the addition of those two. We may be a few defensive pieces behind that. But that would give them a very formidable offense. And granted, adding those two to just about any team would create a pretty formidable offense. But does it make sense? It makes sense from a bare standpoint of adding them um, at two areas that one could argue you do have a bit of a need for. My next question, though, is what is it going to cost me? If I'm polls, what does this cost me? Because while I think that these guys can be a good fit and they can provide you some stuff, let's not forget that these are guys. I mean, we're talking about a running back who has been in the league. This is going to be season number seven. And I'm not having him be an every down back, so I'm not paying him like an every down back. Is Dalvin Cook going to be okay with being paid not like an every down back? If I'm trying to build for the long term, I need to be careful with what I have in that cap space. D-Hop's been a force in this league. I know D-Hop would like to get paid. But I think with trips to Tennessee, trips to New England, and we don't have a deal yet, tells me that what D-Hop thinks he is worth versus what teams are willing to pay, we're still apart here. You tend to forget that he's been around This is going to be, what, year 10 for him? He's been around since 2013. Do I think he can still go out there and be an impact for you? Absolutely. I mean, 717 yards in nine games. Of course, Arizona's got to air it out a ton these days. I think he can still be productive. I think Moore's the number one. He's got to be the number two. And uh, Chase in at the number three. He won't get zeroed in on nearly as much as he did when he was Arizona. And I think you could expect something. I mean, let's say he plays 14, 16 games. He's getting up there, too, you know? He's only played 19 games over the last two seasons. Granted, uh, one of those, you know, you did have a suspension for. 
but we're getting there towards the end. To expect him to play 17 games and everything in the playoffs, I think you're asking a little bit much at that age. But if you get him in the 750 you know, category, if we're talking about 750 yards receiving, I think you'd take that every day of the week, wouldn't you? Now, not being the number one, maybe that takes, maybe I'm setting the bar a little bit high. I mean, after all, you know who the Bears' leading receiver was last year? Cole Komet. 544 yards. Obviously, I think Moore is going to blow that away. And if you bring in Dalvin Cook, he's going to take some receptions as well. I mean, overall, I'd take it. I would. If I was the Bears, I was Poles, I would take it. But the price has got to be right here. It just does. I mean, that's the facts with it. Maybe somebody's willing to overpay for DeAndre Hopkins, but I doubt it at this point. Because somebody would have made the move already. So, he's got a couple of choices here. Pair up with Dalvin, try to sell it as a package there. Get the money that he's probably going to get going anywhere else. And get a nice piece going with him. I don't know that it benefits him to do that. He can either take one of the offers he's got on the table from somebody like Tennessee, um, from New England, and play in those systems. Or he can sit around and wait through training camp and hope somebody gets injured. And that raises the market for him. I don't like that either. He said, if I'm the Bears, I would definitely be interested in that package. I would definitely, because it addresses two areas of need, but i got to ask what it costs me. And I'm more than willing to walk away from a 10-year vet of a wide receiver who I'm, I mean, is, is it safe to say you don't think you could get 17 games and the playoff run out of him? He's going to miss time somewhere in there. I can't pay top dollar for that. I can't pay on the legend that is DeAndre Hopkins. Dalvin Cook's got a slightly better track record. But he's also starting to get up there, and I'm not making him the uh, every down back. I'm making him, it's a running back by committee approach. So, yeah, I got to wonder if those two guys aren't trying to make money off of the legend that they, the players that they were. I want to pay for the players that they are. Now, we're going to take one more break here. Uh, We'll come right back. Stick around. More Hammer Down Show next. Hey, welcome to the Hammer Down Show. It's uh, 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 TheHammer.com. Cruising through you Tuesday. I'm Jared Jessalitis. Thanks for having me on, making me a part of your day. Uh, Another setback potentially for EA Sports in their desire to put this College football game out by next year. They've been hit with a lawsuit by the Brander Group. Um, the This is a organization that has agreements to facilitate group licensing deals for 54 Division I schools and their athletes involved in the um, EA Sports College football game. Uh, the company says that EA is trying to go around them to offer deals to athletes to participate in the game. I'm not going to lie. I, 
I got a lot of questions here. So I started reading this. I'm like, this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But the Brander Group has deals to negotiate group licensing contracts for the schools that they have. I was trying to look to see on their website if Purdue was in there, but I did not see any references to them. Um, I did see Indiana. I did see Maryland, like some other Big Ten schools, Nebraska, Michigan State. I did not see the Boilers, though. They could be. I don't know. They just didn't provide a full list here. Anyway, so they're able to do that. Um with the name, image, and likeness, uh, they apparently, they're contracted by schools nationwide to facilitate group licensing agreements using uh, IP of schools as well as athletes NIL. They're alleging that EA is trying to circumvent them uh, in its agreements to negotiate deals for athletes to participate in the football game. Brander and EA have been in contact multiple times about this, and then they said, forget it. We're going to go talk to this other group called One Team Partners to help facilitate the deals where uh, they put this out. You know, it was a chance to opt in. Any player wanted to opt in, $500 per athlete, you were good to go. Now, we told you a couple weeks ago that uh, a group called the College Football Players Association was trying to rally these players to not take that deal, um, saying that they were getting kind of gypped here and uh, they wanted to be paid even more. Um, it sounded like a lot more per per athlete. So they're saying here is they have these, basically it sounded like to me that they're saying, listen, you're not doing anything because we have the exclusive rights. You have to deal with us. So I don't I, I I don't like I don't like this on the player side. I just this seems weird. You go to their website too. And like right there on the website was something that stood out to me. Does partnering with the Brander Group limit me from other NIL opportunities? It says not at all. TBG exists to support the student athlete by creating passive income opportunities and content and apparel while bringing New activation opportunities we source through some of America's strongest brands. Student-athletes can simultaneously pursue other opportunities. So why do they have the exclusive? Why are they the ones being able to sue, saying, no, if you want to negotiate with the athletes, you've got to negotiate with us? It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. This all seems like way too much to deal with to put out a video game. And now I gotta wonder if this is even going to happen. Because until you can just negotiate with one entity, it seems like, we're not gonna be able to do this. And that sucks because uh, I guarantee if you look at the NIL opportunities for, we'll just look at football. What do you what do you think percentage of football players nationwide in college are getting money for being football players in NIL deals? What do you think? I mean, it can't be more than 90%, can it? 
that don't get money, so that uh, there's a 10% maybe that make it and that's it? So now we're holding up this whole process and actually seeing kids who never get any money don't have opportunities to get any of this money and get money. I don't need a ton, but heck, most of us are thinking about, hey, you give me $500 in college. I'm eating for months, <laughs> right? I think clearly some of these student groups here uh, or, or that handle this stuff clearly want more money per student athlete. And they're not even coming close to setting up. Maybe EA knows what they want. But the way they're calculating this, and if you get a chance to read Brian Newbert ever on Golden Black, you know this is one of his... You know, one of his pet peeves that this this NIL money, this blindly giving tens of thousands of dollars, like this market is set to crash. The glory days are going. And I just think seven some odd million dollars going into athletes' pockets, and these guys are going, nah, it's, it's, this, this isn't going to do it for us. Am I crazy? I mean, they're going to do just, it's a blanket. You you almost scared seven and a half million. Remember we did this math? Seven and a half million dollars going into athletes' uh, pockets with these top, you know, one or two percent guys probably getting more to be endorsers of it, to be on the cover of it. And wasn't this supposed to be the whole point? Top guys stay the top guys. They do fine. But there's plenty of other people who want to realize the dream and do this. And it's just... They should be allowed to go outside the norm for this. I don't understand this lawsuit at all. But then again, I'm also... I want the video game. We've read from the kids... And think that, hey, 500 maybe it's a little bit low. Maybe throwing another couple hundred bucks. Everybody seems, like, happy about that. But those are the guys that actually get paid off the NIL deals saying that. Because you got, you got the placeholder on the team thinking, hey, 500 sounds a whole, lot, a whole lot of awesome. And I get to be in the video game. Seems like a good deal to me. And I, you wait and see. This is going to get, the, the, the pooch is going to get screwed up because too many lawyers are getting involved. And those top guys are still making the money. They'll be fine. I'm thinking about the other 95%. I'm thinking the other 90% that really never realize any financial gains in NIL. One chance they got to do it. They don't have to do anything. Stopped in. You're going to screw it up for him. You wait and see. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. Things we may have missed and more when we return and wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017. The Hammer, 1017. Wrapping up the Hammer Down Show on 1017. The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Things we may have missed. I don't think we missed anything. It was uh, slow just to try to find what we needed to for today. 
But I did stumble across this story. I, I saw it on uh, message boards today, and I I was immediately like, what in the heck is going on? Four-star quarterback Austin Simmons. All right, He is in the class of 2025. He's got a 5.34 GPA and finished his high school classes all as a freshman? How do you do that? He's out of Florida. And he's already 17. I got a lot of questions. Like, he's 17. But he's just now a sophomore? Uh, This all seems crazy to me. He's going to go to Ole Miss, just 17 years old, as he uh, reclassifies. Oh, he'll be 17 when he goes in 2020. uh, Oh, that's this year. Sorry. This is crazy. First off, I don't know how you get to a 5.3 GPA, even with the weighted classes and all that stuff. But then again, I remember what was... What was the highest score you could get on an SAT? Well, like 1,600? Now it's way different. ACT used to be like, you get like a 36, I think was a perfect. I think they changed that too, haven't they? But still, this is pretty crazy to say, I'm going to reclassify up two years and then jump into the SEC. You know, maybe basketball is one thing. But, I mean, this is, this is full-on contact. There's not a lot of sports that I think that you could be good at, so good going into the college level that you could skip a couple years of development in, in high school and go and be successful. Now, whether or not he ever does see the field, hey, we'll wait and see. I think with a GPA of 5.3, I think he's probably got the world to offer a little bit more than football. But he is a four-star kid. It's still early. I love this. Congratulations to him because I'm glad that he moves up and that he wants to become, you know, wants to be challenged like that. The same time, too, I almost want to be like, man, go and... High school is a great time where you really develop socially as well as academically experiences. And I'd hate for you to miss out on that. I've seen kids classify up, reclassify down. I've never seen a kid reclassify up two classes. But boy, what a story. He was playing last season. He he pitched baseball for Doctors Charter School of Miami Shoals Varsity. Tossed two no-hitters. What a kid, man. What a special kid. Good luck. I'm pulling for them, but like sometimes I wish kids could just be kids and get those experiences, but clearly he doesn't want to wait around for anything. He's ready to continue to move on with his life. 
I wish this article said what he wants to study. But boy, that's, that's crazy. To go from the class of 2025 to the class of 2023 and play SEC football. I've seen it all, folks. Yo, that's going to do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Still to come this week. Thursday is going to be loaded. NBA draft preview. Dustin Dopirak from the Indy Star is scheduled to be with us. Also, new softball head coach uh, Maggie Rosati is going to be with us as well. She's scheduled to be on. So we're going to have an absolutely loaded show for you on Thursday. Very much looking forward to that. As we hit these dog days of summer, man. I'll tell you what, but we'll continue to keep you posted. Hopefully some recruiting news coming this week. I've heard some rumblings that something might be coming down the pike. So let's just wait and see. Hopefully we'll have some more of that to talk about tomorrow. I'll see you then. 3 o'clock back here on the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. 1017